Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 11. It was he, and this is talking about Jesus, it was Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. I'm going to just stop right there um, before I go even to anything else this morning. There are some people in this room that um, you are very gifted, you are very skilled, you have a very specific gift set that God, Father, Dad, Lord, whatever you call him, he has given you. And I don't know if some of you were here Monday night before our packing party, I shared some scripture out of Romans chapter 12. And it gave a little more specific list that some of you are gifted in, in certain areas of prophecy and uh, evangelizing and leading and giving and showing mercy. I want to share this. It's amazing how the Lord is continually bringing these scriptures to me. As I was studying Ephesians 4 this week to share with you, that popped up again. I wasn't even going to start there this morning, but the Lord said, Scott, there are people in this group that have special gifts. And we as the church, and I don't know about any other churches, but even I'm just going to talk about this church It's a time for a releasing. It is a time for you all to have a green light to go and practice the giftings that God Almighty has given you. Chris Vi, I don't know where he is. He's actually, I know where he is. He's interceding right now, isn't he? He literally, this is what's going on right now in this hour. There's a group of men who we don't only talk about prayer, they're actually doing it. So there is a room in the back and it actually goes upstairs. So they are right about there right now, interceding as we are sitting in this place this morning. So Chris Vi is one of your leaders here at this church. He sits on the leadership team at this church. We're in the middle of some things going on and we're having to talk about some very delicate issues that's going on in really our society. And Chris was in one of these meetings and, and he said to me, he said, Scott, you know, it's easy to say that we as a church want to lead like this. He said, Scott, it's a little bit more difficult and a little bit more painful to tattoo it on your arm. Because I don't know if you know that, but that's what I have tattooed on my arm. My hands open are tattooed on my arm. And Chris said, it hurts a little bit. It's a little more difficult to tattoo it on your arm, but it is very difficult to actually live it out. And so what I want to say this morning before I go any further into this scripture is that I believe that we are in a time, a day and age of releasing you, those followers of Jesus who have encountered the Lord in such a way that he exposed the giftings that you have. Paul said here in Ephesians, there's some teachers, there's some preachers, there's some evangelists, there's some people who can prophesy. It is time for you to go and use the gift that God gave you. In this place, I want to just sort of give you an overhaul, uh, like an umbrella to operate under. This isn't just a, like on a scale of one to 10. This is just scratching the surface of the teachings on your gifts that we need to start teaching. If you are a teacher, I need you to teach. If you are a prophet, I need you to spend time with the Lord and prophesy. If you are an evangelist, I need you to spend time with the Lord and go talk to people about Jesus. If you have the gift of giving, I need you to give generously. If you have the gift of mercy, I need you to show it. 
There's three things. The umbrella is that we are going to be a, be a body of people who encourage people. We're not going to wear people out. I am getting ready to newsflash for about the next 30 or so minutes. I'm going to talk about sin. And I have intercessors who are actually praying that I talk about sin in some of our lives in the most encouraging way that you would ever hear it. So the umbrella is this. We're going to be a, an army that leaves out of this place. And tomorrow we're going to invade some of our workplaces and utilize our gifts. And the fruit that's going to come from that is encouragement. There should be people in your workspace tomorrow that leave work at five o'clock more encouraged than they left church today. So we're, we're going to encourage the second part of the umbrella is we're going to build up. The world, we live in a bombardment of being broken down. Even the people who are down and out. It seems like we Christ followers, for some reason, in the church, we like to kick people while they're down. We have to build up. I can go to my brother or my sister and I can say, hey, you know what, there's this, 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 this issue that's going on in life. Behind the closed doors, what we call them in leadership, we call them six o'clocks. I have a six o'clock, you have a six o'clock. And what it is, is there's some things going on in your life that you just aren't aware of. But even though I come to you and I point this out and I say this in love, I should be building you up because you are the son of God and your six o'clock, those things that are back here are causing you to not act like the child of God. So we're gonna build up. And then the third part of the umbrella is we're gonna set free. And that's where this morning is going. I, I, I just, I'm going to look around. I like to make eye contact as, as I speak. And I'm going to look down here on the front row. And can I just tell you, I have no idea what's going on in most of your lives. In fact, I probably don't know what's going on in any of your lives except that young lady right there. I know what's going on in her life. So when I make eye contact and I'm speaking to you today, please don't say, well, the Lord must have told him that I'm, you know, hoarding, you know, whatever. No, I have no idea. We're going to talk about sin today and what the enemy Satan has done for so long, even in environments like this. He has told you to run and hide when you sin. He has told you to cover up and you should die of shame. That's what Satan has told you. How dare you do that? You were just in church yesterday. You prayed, you just literally closed your Max Lucado devotional book and you didn't go three minutes without sinning. That's what he, the enemy is wanting us to feel like. Can I just tell you, though, in the kingdom of God, where the presence of the Lord is, there is a reality that we are fallen, that we do sin. And instead of shame and guilt and literally hiding ourselves to death, what if we, instead of running, we actually ran to Jesus? And so today we're going to encourage, we're going to build up, and we are going to set free. Because I know there are people all over our community that sin is just ravaging their lives. And so today we're going to talk about that. So there are some people in this room that today I want to release because you have the giftings the Lord has given you. If it's teaching, go teach. And you don't have to do it on a stage like this. 
I, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I, I love church planting. This was, we started this church new with a group of people. We started this church new. I, I believe in that. I believe there are new churches that need to pop up. But what would happen if God's children, you, were truly released, like people like me, we led you with open hands and said, go, and churches started popping up in your workplace and in your cul-de-sacs and in our neighborhoods and restaurants and you name it. And so today I want you to hear me. I want you to be released to go utilize the gifts that God has given you. And that's what Paul said in Ephesians 4. There in verse 11, Jesus is the one who said, some of your apostles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people, I'm in verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. I love that. Church, listen, Hope City, some of you probably coming from other churches, phenomenal. Take this message back to your church. You're never gonna come back to Hope City, that's okay. Take this message to your cul-de-sac. He gave us these gifts to be released in masses so that we can go do works of service. Not so that we earn our salvation, but so that we can find people without hope. Do you hear what Josh just said? That we find and bump into people without hope who are going to see Jesus Christ and the gospel message in your life. There are some people that are never going to come to this church. They're going to meet Jesus because people like you actually go and utilize your gift. He says that he gives us those gifts so that we can do things and prepare people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Here's where we're getting ready to... Thank you, Jesus. So that we can become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I'm gonna stop there. My friends, we cannot lower the standard. We, Jesus' people, Jesus' followers, Whatever you want to call yourself, if you've accepted Jesus, what he did on the cross for you, you are saved. You are a child of the king. Your eternity is marked in heaven. And you have the ability to live in the atmosphere of heaven this very second. And if you're a Christ follower, we cannot lower the standard just so we don't offend or just that we try to cast a very broad net we cannot lower the standard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, by us lowering the standard, the prize becomes very, very cheap. We actually cheapen the act of the cross by lowering the standard. Let me just put this in terms that I understand. Yesterday, maybe you were watching ESPN around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, I don't know. But they had on there the CrossFit games. And so I was actually just minding my own business. My wife sat down because my 9, 10-year-old son, Lincoln, was enthralled with these manly men. Like He had never seen anything like this. 
And I was there and I literally had just poured a large handful of peanut M&Ms and I walked over to the TV and enjoyed my peanut M&Ms and I watched these men make me feel so inadequate. <clears throat> if you, did anybody watch that yesterday afternoon? Raise a hand. Nobody, I'm the only one. I promise you. Oh, so good. They were carrying these kettlebells like balls that weighed like 200, like me, that's how my wife explained to Lincoln how much those kettlebells weigh. She said, each one of those is your dad. Seriously, that's what she said. Those things were massive. They were picking these things up and they had to do these things. And then they went over to a wall and stood on their head and did push-ups. And it was, so can you imagine if someone like me could get out there and compete in the CrossFit games while this man is doing that, but I'm over here just playing with a fidget spinner or something. And I just happen to win. You see what I'm talking about? They don't lower the standard just so the broad net can be cast. No, they actually called the champion of this thing yesterday, and it may have been taped, the fittest man on earth. My friends, there is a very high standard to be called the fittest man on earth. And I want to say there is a very high standard, not a bunch of rules and regulations and me pointing my finger at you and how dare you, I'm better than you, I can't believe you act like that kind of standard. No, Jesus set a standard and it was a very high standard Because there was a very high price he had to pay. And we cheapen the prize if we lower the standard. And so for me to sit up here and say, listen, I know that we sin and and we're just going to keep on sinning. And you know what? We're forgiven and thank God for the cross. And now that cheapens what God desires for his children. See, Satan wants us to just think that it's no big deal. And a lot of us, a lot of the time that I have found myself in some of the worst places is when sin just becomes natural to me. And so I'm going to skip the second part and I'm just going to go straight to the third part and I'm going to skip a few passages And I'll come back to what I just skipped. But I want to start down here at verse 17. Because I think that as the Lord has spoken very clearly, there are just some people. And again, this is new for church. You murdered someone yesterday. Hey, you know what? Let's let's, let's call the police. And we're going to have to figure this thing out. The enemy wants you to cover up and hide the Holy Spirit that's presence is in this place. It's just saying to you, you know, you don't have to go grab this mic and you don't have to confess out loud in front of these people. But he is saying, there are some things, and this is the third part that I was going to just jump to. There are some things that are burdening you. There are some things in your life that are there that are keeping you from the life that God desires and we can try to sugarcoat, call it whatever you want, but I'm just going to, for purpose and sake this, this morning, I'm going to call it sin. 
But instead of somebody like me standing up here and pounding a pulpit and saying, how dare you act this way? What if, what if I just said, hey, listen, we're going to deal with it this morning. Listen to this, what Paul says here, Ephesians 4, verse 17. Actually, I want to read it from a different translation because I like this. Some of you read this as the message translation. It's, some of you don't like it, but forgive me if you don't like it. Listen to this. You can read along in whatever translation you have. It's like 17 through like 19. Listen. And so I insist, this is Paul, using strong language, really stronger than I'm going to use today. He said, and so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. Paul said it, not me. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. I don't want to see you show hands, but I want to just tell you before I go any further in reading this, I love you. I love you. And I know because like me and God, he's my friend. And God loves, he loves spending time with me. But he loves spending time with you too. See, we've never probably been taught that. We've always heard it said that you need to spend time with God. You need to spend time with God. You need to spend time with God. You need to enjoy spending time with God. No, God enjoys spending time with you. Like he enjoys it. Like the Holy Spirit loves spending time with you. He loves spending time with me. And there are some of us in this room that we've just lost touch with reality because some of the things that we have just continued to suppress and hide, I said it's our human nature. The people in the beginning, those guys, Adam and Eve, they did this. They did this. They sinned. I would love to have known the outcome. Pastor Brent, go figure this one out for me. He's not even here. He's teaching momentum. I'm going to put him on this. What would have happened if Adam and Eve would have ran to God and said, God, we screwed this thing up. We messed up. We ate this apple. We ate from the tree that you told us not to eat from. Hey, Dad, like we messed it up. I think maybe it had a whole different outcome. But you know what they did? Because it's human nature. What do you do when you sin? Even a follower of Jesus, what do you do when you sin? You run and hide and you find some literal fig leaves. Whatever they are, they, you just cover it up. How about an environment as followers of Jesus in this community that when we screw up, sin, let's call it what it is, we have such a relationship with our brother or sister. And we don't grab the mic and come up here and air out our dirty laundry, but we come up here and we just say, you know what? Hey, brother. Listen, man, like, like I really messed up. I was at McDonald's the other day and nobody was looking and I grabbed a few 20s. Whatever, whatever it would be. I think we'd have a whole different community. So if this is you today that I'm reading, you're like, and you're sitting there and you're sweating because I'm sweating. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking to myself. This is not here. I promise you at the end of this thing, you're not going to hurt be hating yourself. You're actually going to be set free. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality, reality itself. They can't 
think straight anymore, feeling no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addiction of every sort of perversion. So today there's, there's, there's some people that the Lord has just said to, to encourage and to build up and to set free because there's some things in your life and today you get to deal with them. And I'm not going to tell you like I've told people in the past. I've preached messages where I have just literally stood on a church pulpit or behind one and I have said, don't sin anymore. I'm 12 years into this thing. I have made the mistake of just saying and preaching, try to get my voice ramped up and say it with some passion. Just don't sin anymore. So if you do drugs, don't do drugs anymore. If you're looking at porn, don't look at porn anymore. If you're cheating, don't cheat anymore. If you're lying, don't lie anymore. I'm not doing that this morning. Because all that does is it gives you a very, very small temporary reprieve. Because our human nature, our flesh, this body, is not made to choose God over sin. It's just not made that way. And so by me just saying, don't do this and don't do this and don't do that and do this and this, you are being set up to fail by me. So what's the solution? Paul gives us the answer right here. Look at verse 20. What's getting ready to happen, maybe here, in, but definitely in the second service, we have 17 people that are going to be baptized, water baptism today. What that is, is, is it's, they love Jesus. They're new believers, or they've just never been baptized before, but you accept Christ, and like, we like to go public with that faith. And we do it with a little tank over here, and there's nothing special about the water. There's actually nothing special about the act of being baptized in water. It's not. But it's a symbol of your old self, your dead self, this flesh that continues to choose sin, to continually choose gratifying. That is a symbolic of that old self dying. And when you are literally raised up out of the water, again, there's nothing magical about the water and you coming up out of it. It's symbolic of your new life being raised with Christ. And let me just say this one more time. If you walk out of here without understanding that Jesus Christ died and gave you new life, When he died on the cross, he didn't just forgive you of your sins and cover your sins and say, good luck. I hope you can figure it out now. No, he literally gave you a new life. And so when there are situations that I'm put in to whether it is to lust or to cheat or to lie or to you name it, I now realize that I don't have to try to overcome that sin in my flesh because I will fail every time. But I now am attacked. The enemy presents, you name it. And because I operate 
in my new life that is controlled. And I know people don't like that. But the Holy Spirit controls my life. He controls my thoughts. He controls my words. He controls my actions. And so when these attacks, bombardments, sin is coming my way, I don't have to go and fight them in my flesh, which fails every time. I get to operate in my new self. You see, Jesus designed it that way. Look at what he says here. Paul says this, Ephesians 20, chapter 4, verse 20. You who, however, totally different than the ones who have literally lost all touch with reality. He says, you who, however, did not come to know Christ that way. I surely, surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Look at verse 23. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. There's a church word that we use and probably don't use it hardly as near as much as we did back probably my, my dad and granddad's age, but it's the word repentance. I know it probably scares some people, but it's just this, it's a very simple word. It's called repentance. And it is literally, it's not this. It's not, hey, I, I don't even know. Somebody name a sin. Name one. Don't be weird. Name one. Anger. I cussed. I use the Lord's name in vain, okay? That's one of the Ten Commandments. He said, do not take the Lord's name in vain. I got mad and in anger, I sinned and I said his name in vain. What we have been taught and the way I live most of my life, even as a Christ follower, was to feel terrible about myself. I can't believe. Actually, you named a sin that almost caused my wife and I to just leave each other in divorce, anger. And my mouth was terrible. That's who I used to be. Before I would just feel terrible about myself, I would beat myself up and I would apologize to every person that it affected and I would beg God to forgive me. I would beg him to forgive me. And what I would do is I'd say, I'm gonna try really hard tomorrow when I go to the golf course because that's what my profession used to be. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna try really hard tomorrow and I am not going to sin And I'm going to choose peace and I'm going to choose, like, encourage myself and I'm going to be nice to my caddy who was my wife and I'm going to do it the right way today until I got to the first hole (laughs) and then all that was out the window, literally. But I would try so hard to choose the right thing. See, that's not repentance. Repentance is this. Hey, God, you know that mind that is so corrupt? Hey, God, you know the mind that has seen so many things that are just really sick in this world? Hey, God, you know the mind that other people that I've been hanging around with, they just fuel the corruption? Hey, God, you know the mind that just speaks out words that are just vulgar? Do you know that mind? This is repentance. Hey, God, do you know that mind? Like, I need it taken away and I need a new mind. 
The word repentance in the Greek that's used many times in the New Testament simply means a changing of one's mind. I want to go back a couple of weeks ago and something I said. Listen, before it ever becomes an action, and in my case, a broken club, a thrown club, a punch, or something else, before it ever became that action, it was already a thought. And so repentance, in its purest form, is not, God, please forgive me for cursing and getting angry. Please forgive me, please. Honey, I'm so sorry. I messed up. I'll never do this again. Repentance is this, hey, God, I need a whole new source. Hey, God, my mind is so corrupt. Hey, God, I need a new mind. Hey, God, I've got to have a different way of thinking. See, repentance is just that. Because there is a source for your action. And it's right here in your mind. And see what happens. And this took a while, guys. And can I just tell you, I'm not stopping. I'm not arrived. I'm not there yet. But what I do see in my life is I see that I'm allowing this new mind to control my actions. And so what I do is I choose to allow my new mind and my new self that Jesus paid for on the cross, I allow that newness to make my choices for me. So listen, there is still the opportunity to get angry and to swear and cuss. But because I have a new mind that the Holy Spirit has given me, I just choose to respond totally different. So let's throw it out there. Let's throw another one. Let's let's talk about lust. Let's talk about... So in my new mind, I see something that is not mine... And instead of acting out of my old mind or the flesh, oh, well, that looks good. I want that. I deserve that. God has given me this new mind to where I not only know that that is not mine or God's best for me, my mind now turns to what is mine and what the Father desires for me. Is that making any sense? Your flesh is going to fail Every time. I don't care if you have the best flesh in the world. It is going to fail you. You cannot pull up your bootstraps. You cannot work hard at it. You cannot devotion it away. You cannot church it away. You cannot do anything away. It is Holy Spirit. It is the Father giving you a new mind. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23, to be made new 
in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Listen to this, and this is not taught. I haven't taught this in years. To be put on the new self. I want you to see what your new self, this new mind is going to lead to. And to put on the new self created to be like God. I wish I was making this stuff up. See, we can't lower the standard just so we can cast a broad net. We cannot lower the standard just so that we feel good about ourselves. This newness, your new mind, a repentant mind, has one goal. And I'll just use my name. It is to lead Scott to be like God. Can I tell you what could happen if this became a reality in our community? I, I don't know what would happen to this church. We may just shut it down because we wouldn't need one. But as I see, you know, a few hundred people right here. <laughs> you were created to be like God. And for the people in this room who are feeling shamed right even now, because I know what the enemy's telling you. You're never going to not be a sinner. You're always going to be a sinner. No. You're always going to give in. You're always going to be defeated. No. No. You're always going to live in bondage. You're always going to be addicted. No. That's not the gospel that I read. Oh, listen. There may be sin in your life right now. Can I tell you what? When Jesus died on the cross, he took care of that sin. Isn't that awesome? If you're a follower of Jesus in here, not only do you have the mind of Christ, but you were created to be like God. Revival will sweep across this community this week. We won't take years. It'll be this week if we put that into practice.